This is a presentation of BSRN, Box Studios Radio Network. The Power Play Post Show is on the air, covering minor league hockey since 2003, and now covering the Binghamton Black Bears, with news, reactions, and in-depth interviews only heard here. And now, from the Box Studios in Kirkwood, New York, here is your host of the Power Play Post Show, Bob Howard. And hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Power Play Post Show. This is the show for February 1st, 2024. This is season 13, episode number 19, and number 404 in the long running podcast that is the Power Play Post Show. I am your host, Bob Howard. Welcome to another edition of the show. We've got a great show planned for you. We've got a great weekend planned for you, uh, to be perfectly honest. Uh, not only just this show, but the weekend wrap-up show is going to have some really cool stuff with it as well. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in this show, um, but we'll, let's get right into this. All right, The Power Play Post Show is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio. Just search Power Play Post Show on whichever platform you listen to your podcast and subscribe. Uh, please join the Power Play Post Show Facebook group. Go to Facebook and search for Power Play Post Show and share that with any of your friends that are Binghamton hockey fans uh, or the FPHL for that matter. Uh, check out BinghamtonHockey.net for all your Binghamton hockey information and curiosity. And this week on the Power Play Post Show, really happy to have him on Black uh, Binghamton Black Bears forward Gavin Yates. Um, veteran in this league, has won a championship. That's one of the things that he can really bring to the Binghamton Black Bears is the championship experience that he has um, on this team. Uh, played with Tyler Jurich on that team, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, John Scully, who's still in the league, was on that Watertown Wolves team that won a championship. And that's where Gavin Yates kind of really cut his teeth, was on a championship team. They didn't think they were going to get there and win, but they did. And now he has that experience here. He's one of the best skaters in the FPHL, very smooth. I know Kurt Sherwood thinks very highly of Gavin Yates, and we'll get to talk to him in just a little bit. Uh, But we do have uh, some other really cool stuff to talk about. First of all, the Black Bears. Um, play one game this week versus the Motor City Rockers on Friday night in Binghamton at Divisions Veterans Memorial Arena. Now, everybody remembers that first game this season that they played against the Motor City Rockers. Uh, the last game, they beat them 8-1 to on January 6th. Trevor Babin was suspended for this game. He actually had a three-game suspension that I think he was working off, or maybe four games. Uh, so he did not play in this game. He was not the goaltender of record. Uh, so no Trevor Babin, but I do expect to see him on Friday. And I'll, I'll tell why. I, th- I really think it's important that regardless of what's going on, Trevor Babin needs to play in the game tomorrow against the Binghamton Black Bears um, or Friday tonight, whatever. Whenever you're listening to this, I know we're coming to you a little bit later than normal. Jake Schultz scored two goals in that first game against them on January 6th. One of those goals was on the power play. He will not be playing due to an injury and will be on the IR with an upper body, right? So Trevor Babin out, uh, Trevor Babin in, Jake Schultz out. 
So it's going to be a little bit different for the Binghamton Black Bears, but they got some reinforcements coming. So we'll talk about that in just a few minutes as well. Connor Smith scored two goals in the game on January 6th. Tyson Kirkby scored. Dikita Ivashin got a goal. Dakota Bond got a goal on the power play. And Andrew Logar scored on the power play as well. Now, Motor City's Josh Collin was the only person that scored for them, and he scored. He started off all the scoring, 141 into the game before Binghamton scored eight unanswered goals. Again, this was probably a game that nobody expected to go the way it did, right? We know that Motor City is good. They went on a little bit of a slide during this time period that Trevor Babin was injured, but they've started to turn it around again a little bit. Motor City is second in the Empire Division with 17 wins, 10 losses, and four overtime losses with 52 points. Binghamton is 22-6-3 with 71 points and, of course, first in the Empire Division. So this is an important game for both teams. Uh, Don't kid yourself or anybody. The five games that these two teams play against each other, they're going to be looking at. They're going to be scrutinizing it. They're going to be uh, examining this because they are one and two in the division. Motor City, goals four. They have 118 goals that they've scored so far going into tomorrow night's game or Friday night's game. 100 goals against Binghamton. Uh, goals for is 151. Now, they are number one in the league with scoring. Um, they are third in the league in goals against average or goals against, which is 88. So uh, I think uh, Carolina and Columbus are just ahead of them in the goals against category. So they're the third lowest uh, for how many goals that have been scored against them. Now, Motor City on the power play, they run at 33%. Tactically, they are number one in the league, but they've only scored 34 goals on 130 power play chances. The Binghamton Black Bears are 31% on the power play, but they're number one in goals scored on the power play, which is 49 out of 159 power play chances. They actually draw a lot of penalties because of their speed and the way they play the game. So I think people need to realize that uh, even though they're not number one in the percentage, uh, they got a very potent power play. Last game, they scored three power play goals, four power play goals in the game on like 10 chances or 11 chances, something like that. It's it's pretty crazy how good Binghamton is on the power play. Now, on the penalty kill, they are very similar. Motor City, 83% on the penalty kill, and Binghamton, 85% on the penalty kill. And I, I will argue with anybody all day long that Binghamton's probably got one of the best. They got two very good penalty kill units. And uh, just without a doubt, uh, Binghamton, with as many penalty kills as they've had to kill this year, uh, being at 85%, they're doing a very good job. Now, the big change for this upcoming game, Trevor Babin. Okay, I can't say enough about the type of goaltender he is, the kind of competitor he is. He is one of those guys that he'll drop the gloves. He's he, he, he's a throwback to kind of Ray Emery, right? And the way that Ray Emery was a good goaltender, a very good athlete, maybe a better athlete than Trevor Babin. I'm not going to... You know, say that Trevor Babin's on the same level as Ray Emery, but the the competitive spirit is the same. Okay, so Trevor Babin, whether he's playing here or playing in the SPHL, or if he ever gets a chance in the ECHL, Trevor Babin is a good. He's a competitor. He's one of those guys that I think you could put 
anywhere, and he's going to make good plays, big plays, but he'll also drop the gloves as he needs to. And I think that's really important. I think any team that he's on, they're a better team because he's on it. Okay, The last three games between these two teams, um, the last three games between these two teams start next week in Frazier, Michigan. right? So this is game two of five games that they're going to play this season. Okay, Now, games three and four will be next weekend in Frazier, and then they'll have a little bit of a break, and then Binghamton will play them and Port Huron in a weekend as well. Okay, but what's interesting is is that next week when we play in Frazier, I believe it's a normal like seven thirty start in Frazier on Friday night, and then like a six o'clock start on Saturday, and then the Black Bears play a one o'clock Super Bowl Sunday game in Elmira. So these next four games are going to be very interesting because Motor City is not going to want to come in on Friday night here in Binghamton and lose again, right? They already lost once. It was in, you know, maybe an embarrassing win to some of those players. You know, they, everybody's got pride and the coaching staff, and everybody was like, crap, we lost 8-1. to one. Our goaltender wasn't there because he was suspended. Things just didn't go our way. And they're not going to want to come in into Binghamton again and lose, right? Because this is a matchup that is going to matter in the playoffs, right? More than likely, they're both going to be hosting – a first-round matchup uh, against either Danbury or Watertown, depending on how that shakes out. And you never know, Danbury might actually overtake uh, Motor City, if possible. So there's going to be some sort of matchup that could potentially happen in the second round between Binghamton and Motor City. So you are playing these five games against each other to determine where you truly stand because you may be playing against each other. So without a doubt, you can play 18 games against Danbury. And at some point, you just want to not play Danbury no more. Whether you're the coach, Brant Sherwood, whether you're the captain, Tyson Kirby, or even down to Tommy Ray. At some point, you're going to be like, I just don't want to see the hat tricks anymore. And the hat tricks are thinking the same exact thing. We don't want to see Binghamton no more. Right? So when you when you break things down like this and you take a look at it, these games, though, against Motor City, when it's only five games versus 18 games against each other, every single one of those games matters. And if you ask somebody on the team and they say they don't, they're kidding themselves. Motor City being in second place in this division, these five games against them, the game that we already played and won 8-1, to one, and the four games that are coming up, without a doubt, these are important games to this team. And it's also equally as important to Motor City because they've already lost one and they want to see what they can do in Binghamton. So, you know, if for some reason Motor City and Binghamton play each other in the second round of the playoffs, Motor City would get one game because I'm going I would assume it's a three-game series. They played the first game in Motor City. Right? So Binghamton next week really needs to have a very good Friday night game. Go in there, win, because you know that that first game in Motor City in the playoffs will really matter. Now, I'm obviously speaking far enough into the future that you're thinking, Bob, what are you talking about? But realistically, when you break down these shorter regular season series versus a team that you know is going to be good in the playoffs, going to be good when it comes down to the stretch, especially Trevor Babin, I'm hoping that personally Binghamton sees Trevor Babin on Friday – 
Friday night game here in Binghamton. And then, of course, at least once or possibly twice, they need to get looks on him. They need to be able to figure him out, right? It's very important. So I think this is a big game. I think it's an important game. I think it's a game that people need to very much take seriously uh, without a doubt. Um, I want to look at the last couple games for the Motor City Rockers to kind of see where their headspace might be. Okay, now they played three games against the Withville, uh, or I'm sorry, against Blue Ridge, the Blue Ridge Bobcats, and everything. They played all three of those games at the Big Boy Arena in um, Fraser, Michigan. So let's take a look at this. These were this was a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday contest. Um, so last weekend they played three games against them in a row. Uh, Motor City won the first game four to one. They won the second game five to two, and then the Sunday game went to the Blue Ridge Bobcats four to two. So they got two out of three wins against Blue Ridge last weekend. So there, and and honestly, when you're playing a three and three, there's a really good chance that the team that doesn't win any of the first two games in that they're going to come back. And they're just going to have a little bit more energy than the team that just won two games in a row, especially at home. I, I don't know why that is. Maybe there's some science behind it that I don't know about. But for some reason, I've noticed that before. If Rochester comes into Binghamton and plays us three games in a row, which never would happen, probably not since like maybe the early Whaler days, that that, could, that type of thing could happen. But if it did happen, I could see Rochester winning that third game if they lost uh, games one and two in Binghamton. So it's, it's, but we don't see that that often. Now, Binghamton does have a string after this weekend. They have some, a string of three and threes coming up that we'll talk about here on the Power Play Post Show because I think those are very important. Binghamton already played one earlier in the season, and not this weekend, but next weekend is, that, is, uh, is the first of like three or four that they still have left this year. Two in Motor City and then coming back for a 1 o'clock start on Super Bowl Sunday against the Elmira, um, uh, the Elmira River Sharks. Just a crazy scheduling thing. I really do not like it, but there's not much we can do about it. It's the way the schedule is set up. So that's what Motor City's done, obviously, in the last uh, three games, uh, all last weekend against the Blue Ridge Bobcats. Now, the Binghamton Black Bears, as we know, last week played two games, and they were up in Watertown on Friday night. They won that game 5-3. to three, And then on Saturday night, a 9-2 to two win against the Elmira River Sharks. So the Black Bears had a very good weekend. I would say the Motor City probably had a pretty good weekend last weekend, getting two out of three wins against Blue Ridge. It's going to be an interesting weekend for sure. Okay, so there's been some talk, maybe a little bit of uh, rumors and people talking about it. But yes, uh, Friday morning, you're going to wake up. Friday morning at some point, if you're listening to this, it may already be news. But Tyler McCloy will be announced on Friday as joining the Binghamton Black Bears. He played four seasons with Adrian College from 2014 to 2004, uh, 2014 to 2018. So he's an Adrian College Bulldog. Played club hockey with them. Not with any of the current Bulldogs playing with the Black Bears now. So he didn't play with Stone. These guys came... Really, after he was done, that's when these guys started uh, coming in. Brendan Stako, Connor Smith, uh, uh, Stone, and um, Dakota Bond. 
All right. The last four seasons, though, he played with the SPHL's Fayetteville Marksman, amassing 60 goals, 78 assists, and 182 uh, in, in, in 182 games played. He was also the marksman captain last season. He is somebody that obviously is going to bring some leadership to this team. Now, why is this important? I was told earlier in the week that there were a couple players that are a little banged up. So you might see somebody not play on Friday night in Binghamton and you're going to be asking why. Well, there are a couple players that are banged up. That's all the information that was given to me, to be perfectly honest. There's a couple players banged up. I do know that just to get some reps in to help the team out, that Brant Sherwood, the head coach of the Binghamton Black Bears, he did um, play the uh, – did, did, did kind of suit up full gear in one of the practices. Uh, there might have been an incident where – Nikita Ivashkin might have hit him in the in the in the face a little bit. I don't know. Maybe there's some history there. Maybe Brent will have to come on the show and talk about it. Uh, I, and I, I'm, I'm saying this all completely in jest. Uh, but yes, uh, Brant sent me a picture. I will not share the picture. It was kind of funny, kind of humorous. Um, and I think even Brant enjoyed it a little bit as well. He got in there, got into the game. I don't think we'll see Brant playing with the Binghamton Black Bears soon, but maybe. I don't know. I, it would be interesting to see if he does uh, suit up again someday. But I don't think he's going to. But he did practice with the team because sometimes that's what a coach has to do. He has to get out on the ice and kind of show the guys what he's looking for. And also at the same time, if they need somebody to step in to, to, to be a winger or to be a center uh, during practice, that sometimes that's what coaches have to do. So I thought that was pretty cool. Now, we are also going to see another couple transactions in the next week. If the Black Bears will shuffle their lineup around just a little bit. I'm going to give you that bit of information and that's pretty much all I'm going to say. Uh, you'll see something tomorrow happen, and people will question it. Don't worry. There's a plan in place. Um, the Black Bears will be absolutely fine. I don't want anyone to think that there's anything crazy going on because there's not. There's a plan in place, and you will probably be more privy to it over the next week as things kind of fall into place. Remember, the Black Bears only have one game tomorrow. They might have to make a roster adjustment to bring in Taylor um, into the lineup, but we will all see that as it happens on Friday and everything. So uh, I think that's pretty much it. That's all I have for this segment. Um, now it's time for Gavin Yates, my interview with Gavin Yates. So coming up next here on the Power Play Post Show, right after the break, uh, I will be sitting down and talking with uh, Black Bears forward and veteran and one of the leaders on this team, without a doubt, he is Gavin Yates. We'll be right back right after this, right here on the Power Play Post Show. You're listening to the Power Play Post Show. Here is another Power Play Post Show interview exclusive with Bob Howard. 
And welcome back, everybody, to the Power Play Post Show. Uh, very excited to have this gentleman on. He's one of the veteran guys. He's one of the older guys here on the Binghamton Black Bears. Uh, he comes to us, obviously, from Binghamton, and uh, he is forward Gavin Yates. Gavin, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for coming on. And like I said, out of all the guys that I've had on the show, you're, you're one of the older guys uh, and everything, a mid-'90s born uh, player and everything, uh, coming from Massachusetts and whatnot. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. I've been seeing uh, a bunch of guys be on your show and stuff. I think it's really cool what you're doing and um, get a sense of everyone's backstory and whatnot. No, I think it's really cool. I appreciate you having me. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, again, as I mentioned, you're from Plymouth, Massachusetts and everything. Uh, what What is sports like in Plymouth? Uh, I know that obviously hockey's big. You know, and, and it's, of course, you know, Massachusetts. There's baseball. There's football. There's yeah. soccer and everything. What was youth uh, sports like for you, and did you only play hockey? Was hockey your only thing? No, I, I played everything. I mean, growing up, sports is huge. Just being in Mass with the Bruins, you got the Celtics, Patriots. I mean, it felt like every year they were winning something, and it definitely rubbed off on everybody in the state. I mean, sports is huge. I mean, pl- uh, growing up, obviously, I played hockey. I played the cross with my brother, and then um, all my friends growing up played football and basketball. So growing up, um, I was talking to my dad, and I was like, you know, I want to play some sports with my friends. So I ended up actually taking a year off of hockey to play travel basketball with all my friends, and I played freshman football. And, um, yeah, sports is huge. I mean, all my friends are playing sports. If you're doing anything outside, it was definitely sports. Okay, i got to ask you, what position did you play in football? Uh, that one year that you played football, yeah, what I position? Yeah, I played a uh, wide receiver, wide receiver and uh, cornerback. So I was like a slot receiver and a uh, cornerback. Honestly, the way you play and the way you skate on the ice, that perfectly makes sense, right? Yeah, that you were... yeah I was like a little Edelman out there running around. <laughs> so so you are a obviously a New England Patriots fan? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Grew up that way, probably Boston Red Sox as well? Yep, yep, huge Red Sox fan. Gotcha. Uh, Celtics, if you uh, watch basketball? Not so much basketball, but yeah, I'm definitely a Celtics fan. If I had to pick a basketball team. Gotcha. So let me ask you the most important question that I'm probably going to ask you this, this whole time. Um, did they win because of Brady or did they win because of Belichick? I'm always a player's guy. Yeah, I don't think the coach is winning much, so I'm, I'm all for Brady. Okay, so... I think, with, I think without Brady, we're not winning anything, so... So, Coach Sherwood, I know you listen to this show every single week. Basically, what <laughs> Gavin is saying is that it's because of the players on the ice, not because of your coaching. Got it, got it. Now, Coach there's Sherwood... A little, there's a little play that goes into it, but I think to play at <laughs> that level for that long, I mean, it's got to go to Brady, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, of course, I know I'm getting you in trouble a little bit with uh, Coach Sherwood, but he's great. <laughs> Brant, Brant's awesome and everything, um, and he'll probably get a kick out of, uh, of that comment and stuff. Um, yeah. I, I, I found it interesting that when Brady left, uh, the Patriots definitely struggled. And, and, and when, they went to, when he went to Tampa Bay, you know, look at what Tampa Bay has now done in the last four years since uh, yeah, right. you know, his time being there. So it really does make sense. But is it that – the fact that Brady was a part of a good system that Belichick put into place, and that's important. That's the thing, too. I mean, it could be that, where he put him in a position to win, but, I mean, I don't think we'll ever find out. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's fair. Well, I think we did uh, learn a little bit about that dynamic a little bit. Um, So 
let's talk a little bit about it. Uh, youth hockey, what's it like in Massachusetts? I know about prep school hockey. I know how huge that is and how important yeah. that is and everything. But what, is, what about a little bit younger than that? What's youth hockey like um, in Massachusetts? Uh, it's, it started, I mean, a lot of kids, like, growing up my dad's age and even, like, when my sister played, she was a little bit older. But everyone played for their town growing up. Sure. You know, that was the standard. It was based off your town. If your town's good, like, you're good at hockey and stuff like that, even at my brother's age. But then when I got older, it was, nobody's playing for their town. You know, everyone's traveling. There's so much hockey out there. So, uh, I mean, it's it got to the point where all the good players were never even playing for their town. Wow. So, I mean, I think youth, I think youth, youth programs, town programs kind of died out and like the whole AAA era took over for kids are traveling now to play hockey. And for you, how did that affect, you know, was it more travel for you then when you were young? Yeah. When I, my first travel team, I played for the St. Moritz Devils at uh, UMass Boston. And I, I lived in Plymouth at the time. And thank God one of my best friends was on the team, too, so we can kind of carpool back and forth. But, right. I mean, Monday through Sunday, or Monday through Thursday, I would drive an hour and a half to practice up in Boston. And then I'd get dropped off at a buddy's house on Friday, play Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then have whoever meet me halfway to drop me back off in Plymouth. So now, did kind you... of how my weekends went for basically my whole life. Now, Gavin, did you have morning practices or evening practices? We had evening practices, so it'd be at after school. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Some of the stuff that I did when I was in youth hockey, it was morning practices. So we'd be getting up at four thirty really? in the morning. Oh yeah, and then two hours of that, two hours of a practice or an hour and a half of practice, and then you're going and hitting school. Boy, that yeah. that, that was we the did worst. that in high school. Yeah, we had practices before school. Oh. But I don't think at that age you could pull it off with oh. everyone traveling and stuff. It was horrible. It was horrible. Yeah. I, I got to be honest yeah, with you. you. Go to school, absolutely reeking like hockey stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, and that <laughs> definitely happened. Uh, without you don't no- get the smell off your hands after one shower, that's for sure. <laughs> no, you certainly do not. And I used to remember taking my uh, my big hockey bag into school sometimes for other yep. things. And I'd pull out a book and it'd be like, Man, that rakes. Holy crap, <laughs> yeah. do I stink and everything. Yeah. So it, it's making it, sure the person next to you doesn't give you a funny look or something. It, it's so true. And you've been in New York State long enough. Our travel, my travel was from, from obviously the Broome County area up to Syracuse and back and everything. So yeah. that's, that was. So that's oh. probably like the same travel from like Plymouth to Boston. Yeah. Okay. So about an hour up and then an hour back yeah. and everything. Yep. So you, you completely understand that. Um, you eventually make your way uh, to um, the uh, the Bay the Bay Street uh, uh, Breakers, the Bay State Bay, Bay State Bay Breakers. State. Wow! Yep. I, I can I can speak. I promise you. Um, <laughs> I, I really can. But you you made it to there, and that eventually turned into the US uh, PHL. Can you talk a little bit about that time? Because you spent a lot of time um, with uh, the Breakers. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um... Like I was saying earlier, I mean, I, I played high school right up until my junior year. I wanted to end my uh, high school career with my brother, playing with him my whole life. So when he graduated, I decided to play juniors. You know, I was looking around places to play and stuff. And um, still being in high school, they had practices at night, the Empire team. Yeah. So I would um, practice with the Empire team, play with them. And then I'd get a couple uh, sniffs with the EJ team. If they were playing in the same term or whatever, they'd give me a call-up. But uh, I played mainly Empire 
my senior year of high school, my first year of juniors. And then after that is when it switched to the USPHL. They had the different divisions, premier division, elite division, and stuff like that. So my first year I was in that premier division, which was, it was legit hockey. You know, I think 60% of the kids were committed, D1, something like that. So I think there was six teams, top six teams from the um, EJ went to the premier division. It was, uh, it was, it was really good hockey. And what did you learn about your game? What did you have to improve on playing against guys who eventually were going to play D1 hockey? That guys have, other guys have skill. Other guys can skate. <laughs> other guys can score. You know, being in a, like a small town high school, you think you're think you're the best player in the world. Yeah. You know, and then you go play against these guys, getting like NHL looks, and you realize how how talented people are. You know. Yeah. You can't just rely on your skating. You know. I have a, teach myself how to shoot, stuff like that, you know, like little stuff. But you realize you're not the best player when you start playing at those high levels. Now, you played most of your time with uh, Bay Street, uh, Bay State, and then you eventually yeah. went to South Shore uh, for a season. Why the change there? Uh, Bay State actually ended up getting sold mm. to Syracuse. Oh. So my second year, we lost in playoffs, and then um, – the owner came in and said, yeah, this is our last season as a premier team. So basically all off the jump ship and find somewhere to go. And um, a couple of guys stayed with the Syracuse team. But um, Syracuse being so close to me, and they're, they were a better program anyway. So it was just a good fit. And uh, from from there, you go and you uh, you go to SUNY Plattsburgh. Talk a little bit about uh, that transition for you. Did you – get scouted to go there or did you you know reach out to them yeah so my my junior coach at south shore was um scott harlow he's he's a um he's a scout for the oilers edmonton he went to bc when um years ago i forget what year it was but um one of his teammates was a is a coach was a head coach at suny mm-hmm so they were friends at D.C. in years and past, and I guess he told them about me. He came and watched the game. He liked my game. And, um, yeah, it turned out from there. I went for a visit. I saw the rink. I fell in love with the rink, and, um, yeah, I wanted to go there. It's a, it's a really nice rink. It, it really is. Um, you know, it's, it's yeah. funny how here in, in Binghamton we have a, a club team, and that club team has done well in the last year or so and everything. Yeah. But realistically, I think for – Binghamton to get that D1 school hockey team that they have been talking about the last couple of years, they need to build a rink. They need to have yep. their own rink. And not and, and, and really, it's hard because you can't really share, I think, a college rink with, yeah. the, with, with a pro team. And, and the prime example of that is in Lowell. Lowell, Massachusetts, they have a beautiful yep. rink there, but it's owned by the college. And when they had the Lowell Devils and the Lowell Lock Monsters there, there was just so much problems between the college and the pro teams trying to get ice time. Who sells the advertising? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's just a crazy mess. So I think if SUNY Binghamton, and you probably can speak on this for just a little bit because you were part of SUNY Plattsburgh, were to ever get a D1 school, they would really have to have their own rink. Yeah. And it sells people so quick. You know, you're interested in a player, a player is interested in you. You bring them out there and you show them a beautiful top-of-the-line rink, they just be like, you know, they'll fall in love with it. Right. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, so what 
how how different was the play in D three um, hockey versus what you were doing in junior hockey? Um, I would say college is a lot more structured. Okay. You got you got three lines. All all their lines have their own roles. And I feel like in juniors, it's more just like a skill game. Everyone's out there to get points. When you get to college, you're you're at your spot, you know, like you, you get your role and you kind of play your role all four years. Everyone figures out their role by college. But I feel like juniors, it's more like, I don't want to say men's league, but it's less structured. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, talk about joining or going pro. Why only one season with SUNY before going pro? Well, my family owned a restaurant back on Cape Cod, so it's, me and my brother were kind of debating on taking it over, and we were going to take it over for a while, and we decided not to. So then I got back into hockey. But it originally started out in Fayetteville. I, I got a call one day from um, their head coach down there, and he said that my junior's coach recommended me. I haven't talked to him in years. He said they recommended me, but i like to go down there. So I got the call, and I was, I was sold. I was like, yeah, I'll be right down. So sure. I went down there. Yeah, five games with uh, Fayetteville before obviously joining up with the, the Watertown Wolves. Was there a conversation that happened to get you to the Wolves? Uh, I was kind of just reaching out to players I knew that played in the league, where they played, where where it's good, where it's bad. And I think most of the people just said Watertown's a good spot. And um, they, they had an opening, and I reached out to the coach, and it, it worked out. Yeah, and uh, – What's interesting is, is some of the players that you played on there, uh, Binghamton fans would be kind of familiar with uh, that team. Tyler Jurch was on that team. Kyle yeah. Powell was on that team. Um, yeah. John Scully, who's still playing in the league now, uh, he, was, yeah. uh, he was on that team. Uh, how special was that team, Gavin? Because obviously you we guys went had, to go win yeah, the Cup. We just had a great group of guys. You know, it's, it's so easy in this league to just get – sucked into all like the bull crap going on everyone gets a negative attitude but on that we just had such a close group of guys where we could have played all summer you know we were just having fun with it and i feel like a lot of these teams towards the end of the year like just look to the off season tend to fizzle out but i mean we just had such a good group where we could have played all summer you know nothing really phased us we just wanted to play hockey and have fun did you, when did you guys know that you had a good a team good enough to win the championship I don't think I ever did, honestly. Because <laughs> I, I remember me and Jarrett would always say, like, oh, we stink and, like, we'll never win. But, uh, yeah, I honestly don't think I ever had that thought of, oh, we're going to win the whole thing, you know. But but it, but it did happen. And, and, and what did that do for your confidence as, as a player, knowing that you guys were your champions? And it was really your first season turn pro. Yeah. It, no, I went a long way, you know, for – to sit back and just be like, oh, it all worked, you know. Mm-hmm. We, we won the championship. We had a great year. It was it was kind of relieving just like it all worked out, you know. It was an awesome first year of hockey. I had so much fun. and it, it really was awesome. You just look back and be like, yeah, it all worked out. And it was awesome. What about uh, – what is Watertown like as a hockey town? Um, you know, what, what kind of uh, – what are the fans like? I know it's a smaller rink, uh, rink and everything, maybe a community-sized um, ice rink and everything. But what is Watertown like when it comes to, you know, the fans, the, 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 the support that you guys got? 
Yeah, the, the fans are awesome. You know, they're, we had a bunch of fans that we'd go over there. We'd have dinner with them once a week. There's a couple of families that we do that with, and all of us would be happy to go over there. You know, there's, there's a lot of good people out there. They had the whole uh, military community. Mm-hmm. We were basically living in the same apartment complex with the military guys. Oh, wow. So we'd see them out there. They'd wave to us. We'd wave to them and stuff like that. So yeah, it really is a great community. They love hockey out there. They understand the game and stuff like that. So it was, it was really cool. Now, I find it interesting that you, you, you've you played in Watertown, you've played in Elmira, and now Binghamton. So you, you've basically hit, you know, three yeah, of the... I'm a New York uh, local now. <laughs> yeah, you, you kind of are in everything because you've you spent so much time in New York. And what are the... Di- okay, so before we talk about Elmira and we talk about Binghamton here and everything, what what yeah. is the difference between Massachusetts and, and New York? You know, I, I don't mean political. I don't mean any of that kind of yeah. stuff. But what, I don't think much, honestly. Really? That's why I like it so much. Yeah. Really? I, there's no really adjustment. I mean, all the people you meet here are kind of the same way, like blue-collar, hard-working guys and stuff like that. So I think it's kind of the same thing. That's why I like it so much. I don't feel too far from home. Gotcha. Where you go to a place like Knoxville, and it's completely different, you know? It is different. Okay, but, gotcha. Because you, obviously, you you know, you've played with you know, with the Pensacola. You've played with Knoxville and everything. And Fayetteville in the SP. So those cities are a lot different than playing in Massachusetts or New York, from your opinion? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think from, like, a fan perspective, it's up here. People understand the game. They watch the game. They know who's good and stuff. But I, when you go down there, it's kind of just, like, beat the hell out of each other, like, down south mentality. Kind so, of so so they're looking for the fights more for more so than the, than the hockey. Oh, yeah, down south. I mean, a lot, it's kind of new, it's kind of new to that whole area down there. Sure. So they don't really know much about hockey other than fights. It's difficult. That's, which is, I mean, not a yeah. bad thing, but... No, I, I get it. I get it. Well, listen, I mean, I, I, I've been here for... 50 years and been going to hockey games since probably 1979 and i still enjoy a good fight right you know yeah no no, no 100%. <laughs> but i also uh can see so the you difference. understand the x and o's behind yes. it and stuff like that yeah. yeah yeah i know what icing is uh so yeah. <laughs> that helps <laughs> and everything um okay so elmira a couple seasons there not many games there but a little bit uh elmira has been the sister city to binghamton for a very long time and they, they you know they've had hockey since about 2000 where we got hockey in 1973 and started you know the, yeah. the whole dusters the slap shot era and everything like that and elmira's kind of struggled i've always said that you know it's part of who's running the arenas who's running the business side of things yeah. that makes the difference and everything but talk to me a little bit about your time in elmira and what it was like it was awesome when we were there. Yeah. I mean, that was definitely the place to be on a Friday, Saturday night when the Elmira Enforcers were playing. You're going to the rink. I think they were selling out pretty much every night. And I, I loved it there. You know, we had a great team. That's when Clarkie was coaching. Yeah. We had the legend, the Foos, on the team. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we were definitely the hot ticket in town. I mean, it, it was awesome playing there. I enjoyed it. And you were telling that That's when, like, the Fed started getting fans. Too. Yeah, I think Carolina was the first team to actually start getting like sellout crowds, and then I'm pretty Elmira was next, right behind them. Right, and then what's interesting about that is, is you know we were talking off air a little bit about Robbie Nichols and how important he was to the fans and even to uh, the organization there to build you know hockey up and everything. Uh, can you just talk to to everybody a little bit about uh, your relationship with Robbie Nichols and how when you walked around you knew that he was a big thing there. Yeah. 
I mean, he, he was a part of the team. Yeah. He wanted to be a part of the team. He had everyone's back. Anything you needed, he'd be there for you. He was just a stand-up dude. He was a part of the team. He wanted nothing but the best for everyone. And he, he got us the best, basically. Yeah. Um, talk to me a little bit about, before we talk about Binghamton here in just a few seconds, what is the difference? What would you perceive the difference is between the SPHL and the FPHL? Um... I would say intensity. I think intensity is probably one of the biggest things. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was saying, the top, I mean, the top lines here can compete with the top lines there. It's when you get down to the third line, forwards of the third line, um, defensemen, everyone's finishing their checks. I mean, I think it just comes down to more intensity. Um, Gavin, Binghamton here has had hockey for a very long time. Uh, three sellouts this season, uh, you know, a couple uh, each of the previous seasons. Uh, we've had AHL hockey here. We've seen guys like Ray Emery uh, play in, in Binghamton and everything. But you guys yeah. are kind of like superstars here. You know, the fans have been so energized. I sat through the three years of the Devils being here, and, and the hockey wasn't that great. The uh, interaction with the fans wasn't that great and everything. And over the last three years, I've seen a resurgence in the excitement for hockey here in Binghamton. Um, you know, you've, you've, you've seen hockey in a lot of different places, even in Massachusetts. You know, you're, you're a Boston Bruins fan. You, un, you understand the passion for hockey, especially as a fan even, and everything. What has been your take on Binghamton hockey and its relationship with the fans? It's, it is literally it. It's incredible, you know. It's—I don't want to sound corny or anything, but it's, it's honestly all of our dreams, you know. Playing, playing in front of big crowds that love you and stuff like that. I mean, it's honestly incredible. You have, like, I had uh, one of my hometown friends that I haven't seen in a little bit. He came to—I was suspended one of the games. I didn't play, but I, I sat with him in the stands, and he's just sitting there, amazed, you know, like. These guys know me by my first name. They're taking pictures with me. And he was just standing there and goes, wow, this is really cool, Gavin. You know, this is really something special you got going here. And I just, I, I can't agree with him more. You know, it, it's literally incredible what we have the pleasure to play in front of every night. And when you're on the ice and it's a sellout and you're looking around, do you, do you, are you one of the players where you block everything out or do you still feed off and hear the fans? Uh, I think I still feed off them. I mean, it's impossible not to feed off them. I try to block them out as much as possible where I'm not, like, zoning in, looking at fans or anything. But right. you got to feed off them. I mean, a big hit or a big goal is nothing like that. You know, you, you got to feed off them. And the rivalry with Binghamton and Danbury, talk about that a little bit. Is it is it something that you ever expected that would get as crazy as it has at times, sometimes on the ice and even off the ice? Yeah, no, I think it's not, I think it's something really cool we got going with Bannon. We were two really good teams battling. It's not like we're playing Elmira winning 9-1 or stuff like that. We have legit hockey games against these guys. You know, it's, they come here, it's a crazy environment. Then you go there, it's a crazy environment. So I think it's something really cool that uh, it's just a pleasure to be a part of. I mean, it, it does get crazy at times, but when you mm-hmm. sit back and be like, this is, this is what hockey's all about. You know, two teams going at it every night. 
I think it's something really cool. Gavin, I'm going to ask, this is probably going to be the, the seriously toughest question I've ever asked you or asked maybe a player. Uh, obviously, Daniel Amesbury got suspended uh, indefinitely. Uh, doesn't mean that it's a lifetime ban, but at this point, it's indefinitely. Last year, there was an incident where you were injured uh, based on something that he has done. Do you think that, and, and like I said, this is probably a tough question, and it's probably going to be hard for you to answer. Um, D- yeah. Did the league do the right thing by indefinitely taking him off? Danny Vanderweel, a former teammate of yours, was injured uh, by him. Uh, some people say he's just doing old school hockey. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think if they're trying to make this league what it is, a prospect league, yeah, of getting people called up, moved up, you know, like you tell some kid he's he's twenty three, twenty four, he's looking to play pro hockey like oh you got to start in the fed and like climb up but like oh by the way you got to play this 30 year old guy that's gonna run you every single night i think like some guys will kind of shy away from it i mean if it is a prospects league but so, i mean i don't know i i know he's a good player he does his role well but so, so I don't know. It, it, it's a tough spot i mean they got to do something to clean the league up right Right. So you, you so to a degree, I think you're okay w- with the indefinite suspension, in, in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. And, and yeah, I, I think he's ran his course in this league. I mean, I don't think anybody fights in this league anymore. So I mean, if you want to go be a fighter, I mean, go a couple leagues up and find somebody that actually fight you. Right. Right. You well, know, ECHL, which is where he is now, and whether or not yeah. he'll, he'll actually find a partner. Is a, is yeah. a different thing, and and Gavin, it's a, it's a t- it's a tough thing, right? Because you're a veteran in this league now. You're you're a guy that young players look up to and maybe ask questions and, and things of that nature. And I'm sure you've had conversations yeah. in the locker room with some of the younger players and whatnot. And uh, you know, I I think one of the things that you do well is you re- represent yourself well on the ice and everything, um, and and whatnot. Has there been a player or two that? this season have asked you for advice? Yeah, I think, uh, like, Thomas Ray, he sits right next to me in the locker room. So anytime I see anything in his game, just, like, a little stuff, you know, I, I try to get him as many pointers as I can. Because I know he has the skill. He's a great oh, player. Yeah. But, I mean, because he's looking for it, too. He's looking for a little guidance. You know, when I tell him something, he's, he perks right up. He, he loves hearing, hearing advice and stuff like that. So I try to get him as much as possible. Which is pretty cool. Now, so what do you make of this team this year? I've said this team is special. Um, I've said it m- multiple times where I, you know, just when you thought, you know, you guys lose two games in a row to Danbury in overtime in the shootout, and then you turn around the next the next weekend and beat uh, Motor City by seven goals, uh, something like that. Yeah. And I said, listen, that's a special team because that's a team that, you know, can sometimes go and, and battle against a couple, uh, you know, a, a team, a division, a rival that – they both hate each other so much, and yeah, those games might fall that way. But then you turn around and you beat a team that is second in the division, has played very well this season. Maybe didn't have Trevor Babin and everything. Uh, do you see yeah. this team as being a special team this year? Yeah, and I, I know we're giving uh, crap to Sherwood, but I, I think it all yeah. starts with him. <laughs> you know, it's, it, everyone's following his lead day in and day out. He comes to the rink every day with a plan on how to get better, how to be better, and I think everyone just follows his lead. You know, what, what he he does for this team is incredible, and it starts with Andreas, too, and 
those two guys, I think everyone follows their lead. And I, I cannot say enough good things about Sherwood. I think he, what he brings to that rank every day is unmatched in this league. You, you won't find it anywhere. And I think whatever he says, you know, we we take it. And I think uh, when he says battle, we'll, we'll go to war for him. So, so let, let me... I think it definitely starts with him. Jesse Anderson has played forward and defense. Donald Oliveri has played forward and defense. Connor McAnanimo skated a shift, somehow yeah. got a, 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 an assist on an, on an amazing goal by somebody. And so, and so, guys have just done anything that he's asked. Why is that? Listen, I've talked to him multiple times, and uh, I've had great conversations with Coach Sherwood on this show and just in person in general. Can you tell me from a player's perspective, somebody who's played, you know, the last four or five, six seasons pro and everything, what is it about Sherwood? Because I think you guys are probably only a few years apart in age anyways. Yeah. It's, it kind of comes down to, like, one of your peers just telling you good job. You know, one of your best friends or, like, one of your brothers just telling you good job. You come to the locker or come to the bench after a nice goal or a nice shift. He's there smiling, saying good job. You know, it's just a good feeling. You want to work for people that put out for you and stuff like that. So I think that's where it comes from. Now, let, let's be honest. Um, everybody on this team knows who Tucker is. Is Tucker, yeah. real, is Tucker really in charge? Is he really the, the person pulling the strings here? <laughs> he might be. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, that's funny. I, every time I see him, there's Tucker. And so and yeah. Tucker's a great dog and everything. Yeah, um, yeah he's a good dog. What is the goal this season for you and for this team? To win a championship. I mean, I think we've been kind of barking at the door. I think this is our year to get home ice. I think we got to win a championship this year. What, what about for you? What's your personal goal this year? To win a championship. Be really? a part of a good team. Be a part of something, you know? So if you're a two-time champion in this league, you know, I – being that you are um, 28 years old and you're going to be at the end of this season, be turning 29. Is there the thought, is there ever the thought that, Hey, I can go play in ECHL. Is there a thought to play in a higher league? Or if there is a good situation to come back next year to Binghamton, will you do that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I found out this year, I don't think there's a better spot for me than Binghamton right now. Yeah. Yeah, I love it here. I got, I got I got a great place here and everything like that. So, I mean, I don't want it to be a negative thing, but I I think Binghamton's my spot, and I really love it here. No, that's that's a good thing. And and like you yeah. said before, you talked about how some guys in some cases feel that it's negative to play not just in Binghamton, but just in the Fed as it is and everything. But the Fed is growing, and it's changing. It's trying to evolve and become a premier type of single-A hockey type of um, league and everything. Uh, you've you've seen it change, you know, with the amount of time oh, that you've been here and stuff, and and just even seeing like a guy like uh, Tyler Jurich go from being one of the most prolific scorers in this league to now being a coach, I think is also yeah. an important thing for this league as well. No, it's huge. You know, he's, he's a guy that's been through it and stuff like that, and the 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 amount of the leap it's taken in the past four or five years, however long I've been in the league, has been insane. You know. From teams folding, we had to like play men's league teams on weekends. <laughs> to, to now, we're playing in front of sold out crowds, four thousand people every night. It really is crazy. 
Um, this weekend, obviously one game against Motor City. Do you guys prepare any different because it's only one game? Or can you just spend more time, you know, either talking about the, the Rockers? Trevor Babin is probably going to play, which he didn't play the last game. He's obviously a very good goalie in this league and everything. Uh, what was the preparation like going into uh, tomorrow's game? Yeah, nothing, nothing really changed. I mean, um, we know that Babin's back in the net, but I think we did some more, like, net fronts stuff, tipping pucks, and make sure you're really staying that front on him and stuff like that. But, no, nothing really changed. Is anybody going to run him? Because I really want to see him drop the gloves <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I heard Wally might. Wally might. Okay, interesting. Yeah. We'll take note of that. When I'm, <laughs> tomorrow night when I'm looking, I'm going to be seeing if uh, Wally takes a couple runs at him. That'll be very, yeah, it'll be very interesting. on him. <laughs> All right. Uh, Gavin, thank you very much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. It's it's a, been a pleasure to get to know you and everything, um, and uh, to get to talk to you. Uh, we really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Bob. Appreciate you having me on. This is really cool, man. Awesome, and we'll be right back right after this, right here on the Power Play Post Show. If you're a Binghamton Hockey fan, then you need to check out BinghamtonHockey.net for all your news, stats, information, the Binghamton Hockey Hall of Fame, top 10 lists, profiles, and so much more. That's BinghamtonHockey.net. You're listening to the Power Play Post Show. And welcome back, everybody, to the Power Play Post Show. Thanks to Gavin Yates for being on the show. We really appreciate having him on. I think we got a really exciting Sunday show coming up. Uh, first of all, we will have uh, a broadcaster from the uh, Blue Ridge Bobcats. He is Brett Wiseman. Now, what's cool about Brett is he was named after Brett Favre and uh, Brett Hall, who played for the St. Louis Blues as his uh, father's side of the family, mostly from the St. Louis area before they moved out to the Winston-Salem, North Carolina area. And you'll find out, uh, find that information now, obviously, on Sunday with that interview. On Sunday, we'll also talk about the Motor City game against the Rockers here in Binghamton. Uh, I'll be at the game on Friday night and be we'll be uh, taking some pictures and grabbing some insight and some thoughts. May even get to talk to Coach Sherwood after the game as well. And if I do, maybe I'll play some of that on that show as well. Plus, we'll have six more questions with Gavin Yates on that. So we got a pretty cool Sunday thing going on, um, and uh, which will be very cool. Uh, I do want to bring up uh, one, one thing and just kind of mention it here at the end as I've got a couple more minutes just before I want to sign off and make this about a, an hour-long, perfect-size uh, show. The, the, the FPHL announced their awards at the end of the season. And for Binghamton fans, you'll take notice that Taylor Joseph was named the FPHL Goaltender of the Month for January, So, uh, which was pretty cool. Now, Joseph had a record of 3-0 with five goals against for a 1.67 goals against average and 88 saves for a 9, well, let's just call it 95% save percentage in three games along with a shutout for the month. Uh, for the month, his best game was a shutout uh, on January 6th against. 
against the Blue Ridge Bobcats, where he stopped all 31 shots on him. And uh, so great job to Taylor Joseph. Congratulations to him. Glad that he was uh, able to find and, and you know get into a new spot. Listen, I can tell you right now, Andreas loved Taylor Joseph, and so did Brant Sherwood. Uh, but there was you know a vision for this team here in Binghamton. And uh, but good on him. Taylor Joseph is a really good sound goaltender. You put some good defense in front of him, and you're going to make a serious run at whatever you want in this league and everything. And I think he's doing um, a pretty uh, good job right now. So, um, and you know, I mean, he's playing for the Columbus blue uh, Columbus river dragons. So if you think about it, he's in a pretty good place there. Uh, One of the best teams in the league without a doubt. And I think he'll be a key to them in the playoffs for sure, depending on how their goaltending situation all works out and everything, but he's uh, obviously having a good season. So again, I want to thank everybody for listening. We'll have another show on Sunday. Uh, That one should be pretty much on time sometime in the middle of the day. I'll get that uh, broadcast out as well. And a very good guest, obviously, with Brett Wiseman. I already recorded that interview with him. So you'll hear that on Sunday. Six more questions with Gavin Yates as well. Possibly a little bit of a mini conversation with... um, the head coach of the Binghamton Black Bears, Brant Sherwood. Have fun, everybody, this weekend. If you're going to any of the games around the FPHL, have fun, enjoy, and let's keep uh, you know supporting, obviously, these teams here in the Federal Prospects Hockey League. I am Bob Howard. This is the Power Play Post Show. Thank you for listening. listening to this edition of the Power Play Post Show. Be sure to tune in next week to the Box Studios Radio Network for all the latest Black Bears news and interviews from around minor league hockey. The Power Play Post Show would like to thank John Patitucci for all the music you hear on the show. You've been listening to the Power Play Post Show.